This episode of Brailcast Extra is made possible thanks to a grant from the Winston Churchill Memorial Trust. For more information about the Trust, visit its website at wcmt.org.uk. Welcome back. Coming up this time, an introduction to Braille labelling, which, thanks to the marvels of technology, is actually presented by me, but it's introduced by Dave Williams. Hello, good evening, and a very warm welcome to the Brailleist Foundation Tuesday Training Masterclass. This week, we're going to be talking about all things Braille labelling, and our presenter this week is Matthew Horspool. Matthew is a Braille transcriber, has a background working in education, uh, is also a passionate user of uh, Braille music and uh, works as the secretary on our board of trustees. So we're looking forward to uh, labelling with Matthew. Uh, Before we get started, just a little bit of housekeeping to make you aware of. Uh, This session, as with all the Braillist sessions, uh, is run in line with our moderation policy. So we do invite you to remain muted uh, for the most part uh, so that everybody can clearly hear what is being spoken that's especially important for people dialing in on the telephone. However, there will be opportunities to ask questions and we do encourage you to interact. And so uh, if you want to uh, participate um, at any point, then uh, you can raise your hand and you do that. If you're dialing in on the phone, you press the star key followed by the number nine key. On Windows, hold down the Alt key with the letter Y. On Mac, hold the Option key with the letter Y. And of course, if you are on an iDevice, press the More button and you'll find the Raise Hand button in there. Uh, So when you are invited to unmute, you should get a message on your screen to do so. And uh, helping us with uh, moderation duties this evening is Holly. Good evening to you, Holly. Hello. Uh, So, Holly, um, you're going to be keeping an eye out for those hands and then you'll let us know who's coming up and who's going to be next. Uh, Also, so that's the that's the housekeeping out the way. Um, Before we go to Matthew, I just want to make you aware of some of our other events. So this is our uh, fifth uh, Tuesday evening uh, masterclass. You can find the previous four on our media page. So if you go to braylists.org slash media, then you can listen to recordings of our previous sessions covering the Orbit Reader, Slate and Stylus, Braille Music, and there was another one that I should remember. Um, I think it was Braille and Languages. Yes, learning how to use Braille uh, for learning languages. And those sessions are available to listen to on demand from braillist.org slash media, or you can pick them up on our Braillecast podcast feed. Uh, If you'd like to join us next week, we'll be talking about the Cranmer Abacus. uh, And this is one of the items that we have been distributing through our equipment program. Uh, And if you're not aware of that, that the Brailleist Foundation, we are making available some uh, low cost uh, equipment. It's free to you for attending uh, a Brailleist session or to subscribers of the Brailleist newsletter. And finally, last thing from me is uh, just to remind you that on Thursday evenings, we have our Braille book club. This is an opportunity to read Braille with other 
Braillists. Uh, there's absolutely no pressure. You don't have to read, but it's a great place if you've got uh, questions about reading Braille. And they're a really friendly bunch, and I'm sure they'd make you very welcome if you'd like to join the Braille Book Club on a Thursday evening from 6 p.m. And on Fridays, we have our open forum uh, session, which is just a general catch up. Uh, it can be to do with Braille, can be to do with all things tactile, but it can just be a general how are you getting winding down for the weekend. And those people asking about Braille for Beginners, which uh, finished last week, we do plan to start a new Braille for Beginners course in January and details of that will be available through our newsletter. So if you're not already, do sign up for the newsletter and you can do that on the braillists.org website. All right, I think that's just about everything from me. So I'm going to hand it over to Matthew Horsepool, who will tell us all about using Braille for labelling. Matthew? Well, good evening, everyone. It's uh, wonderful to be here. I'm sure I'm a familiar voice to many people who are in the Braillists calls, but it's uh, quite exciting to be on this side of the microphone. I'm normally doing research or writing notes or uh, answering you know, technical questions and looking up answers to, to questions uh, on behalf of other people. So it's really good to be doing uh, my own session and uh, really actually feels quite different. So uh, we'll, we'll see how we go. Um, as Dave said, I'm going to be talking about Braille labelling. It's fair to say that the majority of this session is probably going to be talking about um, labelling uh, around the kitchen and things like that and, and uh, domestic uh, household objects. We're not going to talk too much about labels that can go through the washing machine or things like that. There are some strategies which I will touch on briefly at the end, but if you're looking to label your clothes and things like that, then um, there may not be an awful lot here for you. Um, but stick with it anyway, because you might pick up a few tips along the way. The way I'm going to do it, um, I think, depending on how time goes and how questions are going, is split it up into sort of three segments of uh, sort of 10 to 15 minutes each. And then at the end of each segment, open it up for questions and there'll be about five to 10 minutes uh, for questions within each section. Before I really get started, though, and talk about labelling, I think it's important to address the elephant in the room, which is why would you want to use Braille for labelling anyway? Because you've got uh, all sorts of technology out there. You've got the iPhone uh, and, and on the iPhone, you've got uh, Seeing AI and you've got uh, all the, you know, um, Ira, Be My Eyes, all of these apps. You've got things like the Pen Friend. Um, you, you've got just this whole load of technology. So why would you want to use Braille? Um, the first thing I'd say is that Braille doesn't have to be exclusive. You might find that you need to use technology in order to uh, actually make the Braille label in the first place. If you need to know what a jar is, you might use Seeing AI to find out what the jar is and then write a Braille label. The reason why you'd want to do that is because the Braille label might be quicker than using Seeing AI every single time. Um, and so we're not actually trying to tell you that the Braille is the only way you should use, but what we can tell you is that Braille is low cost. You can pick up a Braille labeler for about £30. You can pick up 10 rolls of tape to use with the Braille labeler for about £15. Uh, so, uh, I mean, admittedly, some iPhone apps are free, but this is a very low cost entry and, and certainly cheaper than buying something like a pen friend. It's low maintenance 
um, <clears throat> or at least it can be low maintenance, and there's no inherent reliance on batteries. And I think this is really important because if you're looking in the freezer for something um, and your iPhone battery is dead, and the only way that you can use uh, use your labels is by using an iPhone, then you're basically stuck going hungry until your iPhone is sufficiently charged. You don't have this problem uh, with Braille. There's no equipment required to read the label, and this is sort of the same as not being reliant on batteries, really, um, but it, it's extended further. It means that, for example, if your pen friend has been left in a drawer and you can't remember which drawer you've left your pen friend in, you don't have to turn the house upside down to go and find the pen friend because your labels are in Braille and therefore you can just go and, and read the Braille label. You might struggle if you've lost your labeler to actually write the labels in the first place, but the, there's alternative strategies you can use until you've found the labeler. The labelers, the labels can be easily accessed by others. This is important. I regularly have blind uh, friends come to stay with me and they want to be able to use what's in my kitchen um, effectively. And I use labels on things like the washing machine to label the, the start button and things like this. Um, and OK, I could use a pen friend uh, and that would work fine, but they would have to learn how to use the pen friend and they wouldn't be able to use their own pen friend because the labels are um, unique, you know, the labels are stored on the pen friend and not on the label. So for example, if I was using a pen friend to make audio greetings cards, that wouldn't work at all. Uh, I'd have to send a pen friend with it, but I would be able to do them in Braille and the recipient would be able to read the Braille, assuming that the Braille is correct and they know Braille and all of this sort of thing. Um, and the last point is that Braille is actually relatively unobtrusive. You can get clear labels, and in fact, the majority of Braille labels are clear, and they can be resized very easily. So you can make a very small Braille label, or in fact, you can make a very large uh, Braille label, and you can get as much information on a label as you need virtually. I mean, sometimes, you know, there's so much information that it won't fit. But even then, you could, for example... Um, label something up and then have a, a file on the computer which says this label that the long version of this label is this and and so on and so on so let's move on to some specific ways in which we can write labels and i'm going to start by talking about labeling tape i'll just go and fetch a roll of uh, labeling tape from behind me so i've uh, you won't be able to see it of course but it means that i can feel it during the demonstration uh, and, and describe it a bit better. These uh, rolls of labelling tape uh, come in sort of a little cartridge, but the cartridge is not terribly important. It's just a roll of tape, three and a half metres long, uh, and it's either nine millimetres wide or 12 millimetres wide. It's available from RNIB uh, in, in packs of 10. Um, and the, the thing about this, because it's only nine mil or 12 mil wide, you can only get one line of braille. So they're particularly useful for food boxes, jars, uh, tubs, uh, CD cases, DVD cases, controls on equipment, basically anything where the label is going to occupy one line. You probably don't want to use labelling tape for addresses or greetings cards or anything like that. We'll come on to how to do that a bit later on. I talked about the two widths. There's also two colours. You can either get clear labelling tape from RNIB or you can get black labelling tape from RNIB and I should just say I'm talking about RNIB because they sell it exclusive of VAT you might find that there are other brands of tape that you prefer and as long as it's 12 mil or 9 mil that's absolutely fine you go and use whatever tape you like you can buy it on Amazon if you want to um, 
the colour of tape, really, it doesn't really matter what colour you buy as long as you're happy with it. Some people who sight read Braille prefer black tape because they find that they can see the dots more easily. Um, people who touch read Braille, it doesn't really matter, but if you're a blind person in a house with a sighted person, you might find that the sighted person doesn't thank you for using black tape because it obscures the print writing underneath it, where if you use clear tape, then the writing underneath will still be visible, um, so it won't obstruct a sighted person's use of the same product. The width of tape is slightly more important. It depends on the product you want to use. Um, the Braille labeler, which we used to call the Dymo gun colloquially, it actually takes both widths of paper, so you don't really need to worry about that. Uh, you just buy whichever tape is easiest. And some people uh, have a preference for 12 mil tape because it's slightly wider, um, so there's more margin and you've got more grip. Uh, I personally prefer 9mm tape because it's a bit narrower, you've got less margin and therefore it fits into tighter spaces. Really, it doesn't matter if you're using the Dymo gun, um, either size will work. In the case of Braille writing frames, however, you do need to be careful. Now, um, it may come as a surprise to some people that you can use Dymo tape in a Braille frame. There are some braille frames in which you can't use uh, Dymo tape at all, so you need to be a bit uh, a bit careful. I have a four-line braille frame on the desk behind me. Um, I'll go and get it and, and flap it about so you can hear it's a metal um, metal four-line frame, and it only has a slot in it for 12 millimeter tape. So if I tried to use nine millimeter tape, I could do it. Um, because the slots, you know, the slots too wide. So if I was really careful about the positioning of the tape, I could use 9mm tape, but it would probably slip and um, it wouldn't work terribly well. So if I was going to use that four-line slate, my best bet would be to use 12mm tape. The big plastic A4 frames from the Worth Trust, which are being sold, uh, given away by the Braillists Foundation, um, these frames actually have slots for both 12 mil tape and 9 mil tape and I'll I'll come on to this a bit later on but the 12 mil slot is at line 9 of the slate and the 9 mil slot is at line 19 of the slate and I'll talk more about that later on but if you've got a slate and you want to have an explore and see if you can find where the dymo slots are um, then feel free especially if you already know how a labeling uh, a braille labeler works the labelling tape adapter for Perkins Brailers, you can't actually get this anymore, I don't think, although Dave may want to correct me in the Q&A later on. Um, but the, the labelling tape adapter for the Perkins actually can take both because you can move the tape up and down uh, in the adapter. And there's also an electronic device called the Six Dot Braille Label Maker. This is made by Logan Technologies and is the most expensive way of making Braille labels by far. It costs... Uh, I've got it actually written down in my notes. £499 exclusive of VAT. This is, um, if if you have a use for this particular device, by all means get it. It's actually quite a good device. I've I've used one and don't actually have anything bad to say about it, but it is expensive. It's basically an electronic version of the uh, Dymo gun. It has a, a Perkins keyboard on it and an electronic um, embossing head, and it does make extremely good labels, but it only takes 9mm tape. So please be extremely careful if you get the six dot label maker not to buy 12 mil tape. It's too wide and it won't fit and it will give you a headache when it comes to using the machine. So 
Let's address those in order then and talk about the Braille labeler. We call it the Braille labeler. We can't call it the Dymo gun because if you type Dymo gun into the RNIB product search, you're not going to find it. You have to type Braille labeler or the uh, specific product code is DL65. It's the... Uh, I can't actually pronounce the name of that manufacturer. It's Ryzen or, or Reason. Um, R-E-I-Z-E-N-R-L-3-5-0. Uh, I guess Reason is a manufacturer of uh, conventional Braille labeling, uh, conventional print labeling equipment, and they've made a special one for Braille. The one that I have is made out of metal and is ancient. Um, I don't even know how old this thing is. Um, it, my mum bought it so she could label things up for me when I was a child, uh, and I'm 28 now. So, I mean, this would be at least 20, probably more like 25 years old, to be honest with you. Um, it still works, so that gives you an idea of the longevity of the machine. Um, the modern ones are plastic. I have seen one. They're considerably lighter, and they feel considerably more flimsy, but they actually work really rather well. Um, they had one at the last school that I worked at and um, I used it under duress, uh, I have to say, because I thought my metal one was much better. But actually, you know, there's stood up to scrutiny pretty well. So a description of this machine. It looks like a gun, hence the Dymo gun. It has a, a fairly large, hefty trigger on the underside of it. And I tend to hold it with my three fingers, my index finger, my middle finger and my ring finger on that gun and my thumb on the top of the unit um, so I can squeeze it together. The little finger kind of just doesn't really do anything. It just sort of flaps about and, and possibly actually could go on the trigger as well if I wanted it to. Um, where my thumb is, assuming the trigger's on the underside, where my thumb is on the top of the unit, my thumb is actually resting on a door, and we'll talk more about the door in a second, and just above the door, um, sort of furthest away from me, is a dial, and the dial has braille letters printed all the way around it. So, you know, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, right the way through, W, X, Y, Z, and then it has with, the, and in, of, for, E, R, S, T, I, N, G, E, D, lower F, lower E, lower C, middle C, dots, four, six, I think that is, a full stop, a dot six, and a number sign. Uh, I'll test you on all of those later. Um, <laughs> there is a handout available uh, for this session. It actually doesn't list all of the symbols that are available on the Dymo gun, uh, but th the point there is that it can do most but not all of grade two, so you, you can do some grade two on this thing. The door is how you insert labels, so if you um, feel towards the, the, the end closest to you, there's a notch in the labeler. You can flip the door up using that notch, and this exposes a hole. And uh, if you're not careful, the, the, the door plops down, as has just happened. But what you can do is insert the tape into the hole. Now, what's happened, you need to be very careful because the tape is in a cartridge. Um, what's just happened is that I've lost the end of the tape. So it's a good idea to hold the uh, cartridge actually by the end of the tape rather than by the cartridge itself and then just let the cartridge flop into the labeling machine rather than trying to drop it in and then find the end of the tape otherwise you'll lose the end of the tape and it can be if, if the end of the tape goes into the cartridge it can be very hard to find it again and then sort of lay it flat against the labeling machine and thread it underneath there's a there's a, a little thing that you need to thread it underneath 
and keep threading it through and feel in the middle of the dial there's a hole where you can feel the tape coming through and basically keep threading it until you feel the tape coming through and then if you want to be pernickety about it you can then pull it back slightly until the tape is just flush just flush with the edge there but you you don't have to be that pernickety if you don't want to you'll just uh, just waste some dymo tape if you do that so i have now done this i will um close the door of the dymo labeler and begin to braille now i tend to reset mine next to the number sign and in between the number sign and the a there's like a little rectangle the rectangle is a pair of scissors and we'll talk more about that in a second but for now i'm going to label up some spaghetti bolognese so i'm going to move the dial two clicks to the right which puts me on the letter b and squeeze the trigger hard you do need to be fairly hard i don't know whether that's because it's an old labeler or because you just have to be fairly hard i'm not quite sure um but squeeze the trigger and that'll make your letter b if we move then round i'll find the letter o i'm deliberately not uh slowing this down this is genuinely how slow it is okay o uh n -N l m n o i'll shift it back until i can find the letter g and I will stop at that point. I'll, I'll move the, the thingy uh, back round to the scissors and uh, squeeze at that point. There's, there's enough label tape coming out of the machine now. Um, so if I squeeze on the scissors and then pull on the tape, the, the tape will come free of the machine. Sometimes it takes a bit of effort to pull the tape, but that's how that works. The thing to note is that even to write b-o-l-o-g which is one two three four five letters took quite a long time relatively i batch cook so generally when i've got to label up bolognese i've got to label eight or nine boxes of bolognese if you imagine writing the word bolognese in full eight or nine times on a dymo machine that takes a long time i don't recommend it um, I could write B-O-L-O-G, and that makes it slightly uh, shorter. I actually don't even bother with that. I just write B-O-L, uh, and that is enough. And I think that's the first thing, that the, the, the key thing for me to understand about labelling is that the label is designed to give you the information that you need about your products. So as long as you understand your labeling system and anybody else who uses your labeling system understands it, you don't have to worry about using the right contractions. You don't have to worry about putting a dot six at the start to make it capital. You don't have to worry about a full stop at the end. You don't have to worry about the right spelling. You don't even have to write it out in full. If you wanted to, you could write SB for spaghetti bolognese. If you wanted to, you could write SPAG. Um, you know, it really doesn't matter. Um, you use whatever is comfortable for you as long as it makes sense and the fewer cells it occupies the better because um, therefore number one you're not wasting as much tape and number two it takes less time to do it incidentally i forgot to add if for some reason you do want to put a space on a label i don't bother with bolognese i just do bol 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 you know eight times and I don't tend to use the scissors after each one. What I tend to do actually is just write it all out as one string, use the scissors on the Dymo gun to chop that bit of tape off, and then use regular kitchen scissors to, to, to chop the individual labels up. And I find that I don't need a space there because there's the, the letter L does not use dots four, five, and six. So there's enough space in between 
without putting a space there, if you see what I mean, for the scissors to make a clean cut. If I'm writing, for example, sweet and sour pork, which I would abbreviate to SSP, um, in that case, I would put a space and you do that by half squeezing the trigger. Um, so if you uh, squeeze it hard, you get a, a thing. If you half squeeze it, you get a space. So that is how to use the Braille labeler. I will open up for questions in just a second. But before I do that, I just want to show how to use a frame um, to do this. And I'll do it in the Worth Trust frame, but it doesn't actually matter which, uh, which frame you do it in. The most important thing to remember when you're using a Braille frame to do labels is that you're punching down. Um, it's, it's, an, it's a downward writing frame. And therefore, you want the sticky part of the label, which has got a backing sheet on it, you want that to point upwards, not downwards. And this means that the roll, the, the cartridge that the roll is in, um, the, the, it needs to unroll from the bottom rather than unrolling from the top. This is something that I got wrong when I did it for the first time. And I uh, therefore um, got all of my labels. They were perfect, but they didn't work because all the, the dots had come out on the backing sheet rather than on the uh, on the sticky side. So the way I tend to do it is open up the frame and I'll do it on the 12 mil slot because I happen to have a 12 mil uh, roll of tape. Um, even though I prefer 9mm, um, I have one 12mm roll that I'm desperate to get rid of. Um, so I'm just using it till it runs out, basically. And um, what I do is making sure that the tape is the right way up, um, thread it through the left-hand dymo slot, pull it through in a straight line on the underside of the frame, and then thread it back up through the right-hand dymo slot and then hold it in place and then go back to the left hand side and pull the roll of tape so this will make sure that the tape is nice and tight and it's very important that the tape is nice and tight otherwise you'll get dodgy labels and then what I tend to do to stop the tape from slipping is I tend to be quite forceful with the heel of my hand and press down on the frame with one hand with with the heel of the hand quite firmly so that the labeling tape doesn't split and then it doesn't slip sorry and then i can use a stylus with the other hand to actually write the label out i've realized in all of that description that i didn't actually explain how to find the dymo slots and again this will depend on which frame you're using but if you're using the frames from the worth trust the thing to do is if you feel, uh, these are the frames that the Brailists are giving out, if you feel down the right-hand side, you've got the line numbers. On mine, I've got two, four, six, eight. And if I keep feeling down, I would get to 10. But in between eight and 10, you should feel a slot. And it's quite a wide slot. It sort of feels like one of the Braille cells, except it's a bit wider and it's in the margin. So it's sort of just sort of directly underneath the number well maybe maybe slightly to the left and underneath the number eight and it's uh, identifiable because it's ever so slightly raised there's an uh, the, uh, imp almost imperceptible raised line next to the slot um and so that may help and then on the left hand side there is a similar uh slot um <clears throat> after the braille cells have finished with a similar raised line and uh, to find the slot for line 19, you keep going down 
Uh, and so you, you get to sort of 14, 16, 18. And again, you find a smaller slot. This slot is almost the same size as one of the Braille cells. And in fact, you, you could be forgiven for thinking that it is one of the Braille cells. But it's also got that uh, imperceptible raised line. And that indicates it's a Dymo slot. And again, if you follow along, there's a similar slot at the other end. So I've now been talking for 25 minutes, which means that I'm only going to split this section, this session into two rather than splitting it into three. But I wonder uh, if there are any questions on what I've said so far. Please feel free to uh, raise your hands in the usual way. Thank you very much, Matthew. We do not have any raised hands right now. Uh, I believe we do. I think James Bowden's hand may be raised. Yeah, so um, raised hands go above uh, co-hosts in the Yeah, I list. was not... Um... Okay, James, we're uh, going to invite you to unmute. Hello, James. Great presentation there, Matthew. couple of points. Um, I also prefer the 9 mil clear tape, and it's, it's possibly worth mentioning, if you're labelling CDs, I tend to do it on the sort of the spine edge of the box but on the actual inlay tray and nine mil tape fits 12 mil tape does not fit and the same would be true if you're you actually label the spine itself um, that's the first point the second point is on the uh, braille labeling machine when you use the scissors i don't know if you mentioned this matthew but uh, you actually get two cuts on the tape one is a complete cut, so the tape comes away. And on mine anyway, there's a little second cut about maybe four millimeters away. So you've got a little flap that you can use to pull off the backing tape. Otherwise, it's a nasty fingernail exercise to try and get the backing off. That is a good tip. Thank you. I think the second blade, well, to be honest, I think both blades on my labelling machine have worn out. The first one works just well enough for me to prise the tape off the machine. And I think my second blade has worn to the point where it doesn't work. Either that or older labelling machines didn't have that blade. But uh, yes, I have seen uh, that the six dot label maker also has this. It makes a nick in the um, in the in the tape and it is incredibly useful and it, it does make life a lot easier. The, Matthew, did you mention one of the things that I, I point out to people about the Braille labeler is the fact that the letters are also in print. Uh, you may have said it and I might have missed it, but it's really important, I think, so that sighted people can make Braille labels without having to know any Braille, which I, I think is is a really useful thing. I didn't, and I will make a note so we can update the handout. Um, but yeah, thank you. Uh, I didn't mention that, but it is a very good point, And it's how my mum used to use it, because my mum didn't really know Braille, but she used to label my tapes um in braille and she used to do it because um uh the letters were in print yeah and and i know you said you probably wouldn't want to use it for greetings cards but i know many sighted people that do um to to add braille to a greetings card uh and i think we'd all probably agree that it's lovely to receive braille however it's being created yes i do agree with that I'm not sure James, if there's any more. James, is there anything else, James? Oh, yes, yeah. I was actually. Um, for those who are concerned about wasting tape, you can actually reverse feed the tape 
um, before cutting by about just under two cells. And then you'll get the, 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 the end of the label quite close to the last cell you wrote. Yeah, and I look, the scissors on mine are knackered basically. So um, I tend to open the door, slide the tape back to the point just where it's not protruding anymore, That's write it. my label, and then, you know, cut using some other means uh, rather than the, the built in scissors. And I That's think they do wear out eventually. That's interesting because mine, Matthew, is possibly older than yours. I remember buying mine last century and uh, the scissors are still working. Well, Any more questions for Matthew at this point? Uh, it's Alt-Y on Windows, Option-Y on Mac, Star 9 if you're dialing in on the phone, uh, press the More button on iDevices, followed by the Raise Hand button. And if there aren't any more questions, then we will come back to you, Matthew. Well, there aren't at the moment. I'll I'll give it another couple of minutes uh, because James raised a good point about labelling CDs and putting the label on the spine. And um, it's something that I was going to mention and actually forgot to mention is that apart from abbreviating, the other really important thing with labelling is that you get used to putting the labels in a consistent place. Um, so I talked about... Um, batch cooking and I talked about you know uh, labeling up boxes I basically put food in in Tupperware boxes and then label the lid of the box but I always make sure to put the braille label on the top of the lid and uh, towards the the sort of top left hand corner and that way when I'm rummaging through the freezer and uh, by the way the, the tape does work in the freezer you have to be a bit careful when you apply it because the adhesive isn't necessarily all that strong so if, if the lid of the box is a bit wet then the label might fall off. But assuming that the box is dry, um, it'll work fine. It'll, it'll hang around in the freezer, no problem. But with cold fingers, you don't want to be faffing about wondering where on earth you've put your label. So always, for me, it's in the top left-hand corner. If a better place works for you, you know, if it works better on the front of the box or on the bottom right-hand corner, I don't really mind. But it's important to be fairly consistent with the way you do that. Last call for questions. I think we can carry on, Matthew. I don't think we've got any. Yeah, that's fine. So I shall carry on. And um, I, I'm not going to talk in this session about the uh, labelling tape adapter for the Perkins. I do have one. And if there's any particular questions about that, then please uh, hold fire and ask at the end if there's time. But I really don't think you can buy it. So I'm not going to dwell on it uh, for now other than to say that if you are fortunate enough to have one it's a bit finicky to put it in the brailer but once it's in it does work and it does work rather well and you get reasonably good quality uh well you get whatever perkins quality dots you've got depending on how old your perkins is so i'd like to move on and talk about self-adhesive labeling sheets um speaking of the perkins brailer um Self-adhesive labelling sheets, uh, we some people call it Braillon. That is not correct, and um, I, I wouldn't be pernickety about it, except that Braillon is something else. And uh, I remember just after I left the school that I worked at, my successor phoned me about a month after I left and said, I've just ordered some Braillon, and they've sent me the wrong product. And I said, no, no, they haven't. It's just... Uh, we, we all call it the wrong thing. So it's not Braillon. It's not acetate. Some people call it acetate. Acetate is um, like what you'd use on a projector screen. Uh, and I'll come back to that a bit later. But acetate doesn't have a sticky back. So it's sticky back plastic, basically. 
Um, self-adhesive labelling sheets is what RNIB calls them. Uh, they're available in packs of eight from RNIB in Perkins size. Uh, and they're also available if you want to put them through the embosser, uh, if you have like an index basic which takes tractor-fed paper and you want to do tractor-feed labels, you can do this. They are available from Technovision Systems in packs of 10, and they measure 8.5 by 11 inches, which is US letter size uh, on a slightly wider backing sheet. So you could, if you for some reason particularly wanted 8.5 by 11 uh, labelling sheets, and you wanted to put them in a Perkins, you could buy those from Technovision and uh, rip them up and put them in the Perkins and they would work fine. It's sticky back plastic that I would use for greetings cards because there are what there are huge sheets. As I say, eight and a half by 11. Perkins is 11 and a half by 11. Uh, that's, that's wider than A4 um, to give people some perspective. Um, A4 measures 297 by 210 mil, which is just shy of 12 inches by eight and something inches, I think. Um, so yeah, Perkins is definitely wider than A4. Um, so you could put whatever you want. I used to use it for certificates when I was brailing, um, you know, uh, congratulations on 100% attendance and things like that. I used to, we used to laminate the certificate and we used to make the label um, <clears throat> on sticky back plastic. And it meant that we could get all the text nicely centered and everything sort of worked out and um, when I was doing big labels like that and it was important to center them I actually used to draft them out on paper first because the thing about sticky back plastic and also the thing about Dymo tape is that it is plastic and so the dots last a long time the downside of the dots lasting a long time is that if you make a mistake it's very difficult to get rid of the dots so I used to do a mock-up of the label on a piece of paper first and then if for some reason the mock-up didn't work, I could just make a new mock-up on a new piece of paper. And then only when it was absolutely ready to go, would I then transfer it very carefully onto the sticky back plastic. Um, so there's not really an awful lot much, uh, awful lot more to say about this because it's it just works like braille paper. You can use it in a frame um, if you want. Uh, most frames are not probably wide enough to take the 11 and a half by 11 um, sheets. People who are listening in from America, you are very lucky because I think you can get Library of Congress um, 40 cells by 25 line slates. So if, you ha if you're one of those fortunate people that have 40 cell by 25 line slates, please email help at braillists.org and tell me where you got it because I'd quite like one. Uh, but you would be able to use uh, the RNIB 11.5 by 11 labeling sheets. The rest of us who are using A4 slates, the, the, the sheet will hang out the end. Um, that may not be a problem. You could cut the sheet in half and that you may want to do that anyway if you're doing greetings cards and then it would fit in the slate nicely. Um, but just be aware of how many lines you've got and how many cells you've got because it, it might not. The slate may have more or less cells or lines than the sheet has got. So what I would actually do is put the sheet on top of the slate first and count around it. If you've got margins, count what those margins are so you know how many cells or lines to cut off the end of the sheet. Um the other really useful use of a slate. Now, I, I must admit, I don't particularly like slating labels. Um, I, I do it for Dymo tape because I find it more efficient uh, than using the labeler. And I find I get better quality dots, especially because I've got a good stylus. Uh, I get much better dots if I 
slate labels than on dymo tape than using a dymo labeler but i should warn you the pressure that is required to get good labels with a stylus is quite significant it's you need more pressure to do it than you do um on paper and also you don't always get the same satisfying clunk when you slate on paper um you get a nice click as the as the stylus goes through you don't always get this with the plastic so you sort of have to um just hope that you've used enough pressure and uh, it normally works i've not had a label that's failed but it's hard work so i wouldn't want to use a slate to do greetings cards what i do use a slate for though um is to measure up how big the greetings card is before i then braille the label in the perkins um so you know for example if i've got a tiny greetings card i need to know that that card is only 10 cells across by four lines down um and i need to know this and then i can set the bell on the perkins to 10 lines 10 cells across so then the bell dings and i don't accidentally make a label that's too big for the card and um if it's a card that's um <clears throat> considerably taller than it is wide i might make an executive decision to put the label on sideways or something um so you open the card top to bottom instead of left to right and then you can fit more words on a line or, or something like that um but the way i would do that and i haven't got a card um i actually have got one it came in the post but i didn't think to bring it up um what i have got is an a5 or so uh, envelope so what i'm going to do is just take and this works best on a page slate like the ones that the brailists are giving away um if you put the envelope flat or the card flat on top of the slate don't unfold it uh because really you just want to put the label on the card um on the one side of the card you don't want to put the label on both so leave it folded but put the put whatever it is on top of the slate sort of in the middle of the slate if you can and then you'll find that at, hopefully anyway assuming it's not an a4 card or bigger you've got um some cells at the top cells at the left cells at the bottom and cells at the right so what i'll do is i will hold it flat and i will actually count i'll find the the line above you know the first line of cells that i can actually feel that's not obscured by uh paper and um i'll move the left edge of the paper so that it's in line with the start of that cell and i'll start counting one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen fourteen fifteen sixteen seventeen eighteen mm, sort of nineteen sort of 19 is not good enough you can't have a sort of cell because it will uh drop off the edge so really we're dealing with 18 cells here across this imaginary greetings card and then what i'll do is i'll go back to the left you don't actually have to go back to the left but you could do it from the right if you wanted to and count down i've got one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen fourteen fifteen sixteen seventeen eighteen nineteen twenty twenty one sort of twenty two so again i've got twenty one lines so i've got 18 cells and 21 lines i would count that and then i would put a full sheet of per of, of thing a full sheet of sticky back plastic inside the perkins braille the label and make sure that i don't exceed 18 cells or 21 lines i probably actually make a note of those numbers so i don't get them the right way around uh, i don't want to exceed that but what i wouldn't do is cut the label first and the reason why i wouldn't cut the label first is twofold first of all you might find that you don't use all 21 lines in which case you could make the label shorter but more importantly 
Um, the Perkins Brailler will impose margins on your labels and particularly the left margin, um, even at its uh, shortest setting, the left margin can be quite generous. So what I tend to do is put the whole sheet in and braille the label and then after I've finished, cut the label out of the sheet and that allows the label, if it needs to have, to have really tight margins and if you're careful you really can have really really tight margins you don't have to have any margin around that paper at all around the plastic at all because they're going to be reading it um, from something so that there's already a surface which is going to give it that margin so you can go very close if you need to if that's the only way you can fit the information on you can use any method to cut the label um, scissors will work the thing about scissors is that I'm not very good at cutting in a straight line. Uh, I guess my mobility officer should have been better at teaching me how to do that, uh, or my art teacher or something. But I really struggle to cut in a straight line. So I tend to use a uh, paper trimmer, which some people would call a guillotine. Um, they're not that expensive. I got mine for 50 quid, and it was only as expensive as that because I needed to be able to, to trim uh, 12 mil, uh, 12 inch cardstock. Um, if you were only trimming A4, uh, you could probably get one uh, and Perkins either direction is uh, slightly slimmer than A4 um, you could get an A4 guillotine and that would suit you just fine you'd probably get one of them for about 20 quid and that just makes sure that you're going in a straight line uh, and I find that very helpful so this is the end of my second lecture and another opportunity for people to ask questions so a reminder on how to do that on Windows, hold down the Alt key and press the letter Y on Mac, hold Option and press the letter Y. If you're on an iDevice, hit the More button followed by the Raise Hand button. Or if you're dialing in on a regular telephone, then you press the Star key followed by the number nine. If you've got a question or even just a comment, actually, uh, about any uh, aspect of uh, any, any of the material Matthew has covered or perhaps anything else uh, relating to uh, Braille labelling as well. Uh, we've got we about 15 minutes. Okay. So I'm just, it's um, from Alan and I'm going to unmute. Hello, Alan. Good, e good evening. Um, Matthew, uh, or anybody else, do you actually know whether the RNIB are still making the magnetic sheet labels you could put in the Perkins? Um, well, hello, Alan. Um, good to hear from you. I haven't actually spoken to you in a while, so uh, good to touch base. I don't know. I'm wondering whether Dave or James... James has his hand no, raised. I think James has his hand raised. I'm also Sorry. wondering, Alan, you, you have quite a, a loud um, microphone with lots of white noise, so I wonder if you could mute while the question's being answered and then we can unmute you again uh, to come in further. There we go. Okay, yeah, I've, I've gone ahead and unmuted you, Alan, just you're so playing I've, quite a um, lot of white noise. I've unmuted... Um, so, Alan, the answer is the RNIB no longer sell the magnetic labelling tape. And do we know if anybody else has it available, Matthew um, or James? I did buy some in the US from NFB some years ago, so that might be a possible source for you. Yeah, I, I've never come across it. It sounds like a brilliant idea, and I wish I had uh, come across it. 
because it would make life so much easier in so many ways but no yeah it's even thicker than the plastic tape so i don't know how much force it takes probably quite a lot ah yes did it work in a slate do you know i've never tried i yeah. have never tried <laughs> of course make sure your state's your slate is not steel because it will stick it, well although that could be an advantage couldn't it because it would stop not if it it's from... not straight well, <laughs> well i mean yeah. that's true yeah um we also have a hand raised um from tina i don't know if we're done with that answer or i think basically we are yeah okay so i'm going to ask tina to unmute Okay, should we perhaps we'll we'll Alan, if you wanted to come back on that, perhaps um yeah, pop your hand up again and ra can... raise your hand again and um and we'll acknowledge you. So Tina, let's let's come to you. Hello. I'm Hello. Tina, I've got a question. Um because I've bought um I've got these coffee pods and I've actually got a um frame that you slot them into. Now, what I've done with that, each frame has got um, like four four slots, but in between each slot it's got a gap, but there's um, metal bits across the top. So what I've done is use some um, junk mail, some of the thick card that you get shoved through the door and stuff, and I've actually brailed on that, and I've punched a hole in the end, I cut it to size, and I punch a hole in the end, Actually, look, one good tip for cutting, do a braille dotted line and then you can tear along the dotted line for cutting, which <laughs> helps. Yeah, that's a really good tip. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And then what I've done, then I've punched a hole in it and I've threaded a piece of wool through it and then tied it onto my um, frame between the rows of pods, say, like, to the left of... Um, arrive pods will be the label that I've written tea on and things like that and that's how I've labeled that up yeah Which so I this is a good idea it's an absolutely fabulous idea uh, good to hear you Tina thanks for uh, for coming in and, and talking about that that's a really innovative strategy and it's not a strategy that I would have thought about um, it is a strategy thankfully that uh, a friend of mine is much more creative had had thought about and what he did um he did a similar sort of thing to you but he actually uh, went to the local resource center for the blind uh, which used to have a projector screen and doesn't anymore mm. and he bought a load of their acetate that he used to use for the projector screen and he punched uh, you know cut that up into label sized pieces and punched a hole in and used an elastic band and that's particularly useful yeah so as you describe um for that sort of thing it's also useful for um, making name tags. Um, like, so I sing in the choir at the cathedral mm -hmm. and I have a Braille name tag on my robes so that I know which robe is mine. And I made that name tag in that sort of way. Yeah. Um, it's also useful on uh, small things. Like, so uh, my friend uses it on his spice jars um, because the jar itself can't take a label, but the, it can take an elastic band with a label attached to it. And the label just sort of dangles off the bottom of the jar. And it means that the no, labels... For... Sorry, Tina. But it's good for, for bottles as well, the label with the elastic band, because, I mean, you can you can get these plastic... Thing. Well, I don't know if you can still get it, but, I mean, you could make your own or stick it on something thicker if you want to use a sticky label. 
and then you can just take it off the bottle when you renew it or the jar or whatever because that'll say keep doing more and more labels all the time yes and i was just going to say that this is this is very good i'm glad someone else has had this idea as well it's excellent for reusing things um and it really i should use this strategy more often i should make these labels and use these sorts of things to label my bolognese um because it would be more sturdy than uh using dymo i'm just lazy and haven't done it but yes it would it would make very good reusable labels and uh, it would save wasting tape yeah that's great and then um, we have a hand raised um by melanie as well so i don't know if we're done with this question yeah yeah that's it thank you sorry yeah thank you tina good to hear from you my pleasure i'm going to unmute while I'm muted by host. And you, Mel? Uh, hi, I'm not sure that this does apply anymore because it was to do with the magnetic. Um, I know there was the tape that RNIB did, but they also did magnetic sheets, which I think may be what Alan was asking about. Rather than tapes, it was actually labelling sheets. Yeah, I couldn't find those on the RNIB shop either. Uh, so my my guess is that they don't do them, but mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a great shame. Um, and it would be interesting... Um, I don't know how you evaluate how much demand there would be for reintroducing a product like that. Um, but maybe maybe people should email the helpline and ask. And uh, Yeah, the if there's a lot of demand, they, they would certainly look yeah. into it. Yeah. So if people want magnetic labels, do let helpline know. Um, it could just as easily have been a sourcing problem as a demand issue. You know, it might be that they, they just haven't been able to find any that are at a reasonable uh, price uh, and they do subsidize uh, some of the products um, and if there is a you know a clear demand for magnetic labels then uh, I'm sure that the products team would look again at that so do let the RNIB helpline know if you require uh, magnetic labeling. not have any other hands at the moment oh here's james now we do yeah <laughs> I, I said we don't and then no, that's how it always rolls <laughs> there we go sorry um yeah i was just going to say sometimes with the dymo tape matthew you mentioned the adhesive sometimes isn't isn't very strong um you do sometimes get the case when the label falls off which is incredibly annoying um, so a little tip that I was told and I use is um, when you've done the label, I kind of bend it backwards a bit to remove some of the curvature from when it was on the spool in the in the cartridge and then press down from the middle, line it up, obviously, press down from the middle and smooth it outwards. Um, so you kind of pushing out any kind of air which might be trapped underneath and the label tends to stay on a lot better. Oh, that's good to know. That's yeah, that is good. I have sort of informally done that when I've noticed a label falling off. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so never really worked out a foolproof method of doing that. So that's useful. Thank you. You get 19 characters along the spine of a CD unless you start shifting the spaces smaller. Yes, and uh, shifting the spaces smaller is doable, but uh, <laughs> perhaps not, on a frame. Uh, not for the well. <laughs> not for well, the you could, well, you could do it on a frame because you could pull the tape uh, 
in a certain direction. Uh, that, yeah. that, that's taxing my brain to work out which direction you'd have to pull the tape it's in. Not for the faint-hearted, um, you're right. But uh, no, not for the faint-hearted. But yes, that would allow more characters. Any more questions? Are there any more questions? Not currently. I don't think there are. While we wait, and feel free to just put hands up at any point now, um, because I'm basically just waffling for the sake of waffling at this point. Um, but just to say, I've talked a lot about using self-adhesive labelling sheets for greetings cards, and I haven't addressed the elephant in the room, which is, well, why not just put the card in the Perkins and do directly onto the card? Or, for that matter, put the card directly into the frame and, and write onto the card. Actually, there's no reason why you can't do this. And actually, to be honest with you, uh, when I get greetings cards, I'm generally so grateful for the greetings card that I don't comment. But if it's somebody that I know well and I know they can take it, um, I will point out that actually I tend to prefer it when people braille directly onto the greetings card. Um, it, that there's really no reason not to do it. Um, the only thing you'd want to be aware of when you do it is... Um, particularly if you're doing it on a Perkins Brailer, if you're using a, a glittery card or, you know, the card's got a, a decoration on it that's likely to fall off. Um, well, two things. First of all, make sure that the glitter doesn't drop into the Perkins. And secondly, if the decoration is um, 3D, effectively, if it's very tactile, um, you have the problem of the card not rolling in to the Perkins properly. So you might have to turn the card round, like I said about tall cards, and braille sideways um, so the fold is running horizontal left to right rather than uh, top to bottom. And that would be a way of solving that particular problem. Well, that's good advice. We do have another hand raised um, from Michelle. So I'm going to hopefully... I think it's always entertaining about that, Matthew, is if uh, somebody uh, buys those shaped cards, you know, the the ones that are like, a, I don't know, a Christmas tree in shape and you're trying to roll that sideways into your, yes, your braille. Yes, they, they can be a faff to get in the Perkins as yes. well. Yes, <laughs> certainly. But, you know, Michelle is unmuted. Hello, Michelle. Hi, hi there. Thank, thanks for all the tips. Really, really great. Um, one question I have. Um, can you get jumbo braille um, braille guns dymo guns i don't believe that there is a jumbo dymo gun i'm happy to be corrected by people more in the know i don't know that there ever was however you can i believe still get the jumbo braille frames so yes, if you, you yeah so if you wanted to slate your labels in jumbo braille that would be a way to do it um you can also uh, again, not for the faint of heart. So this is more in the interest of completeness than as a, a useful practical answer for you. Um, if you were doing large labels and you had an embosser, you could set the embosser to emboss jumbo braille if you knew where the settings were in the menus. And uh, that would be another way to do jumbo braille labels. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thanks. Is, is there a jumbo braille Perkins as well? Or am I wrong? There was. I'm sure I, I've seen it yeah, on the website. There was, and uh, you could use a tape adapter in that, I suppose. I don't know or if they a still sheet of sell plastic, it, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know if they still sell it. I don't know um, if there's anyone who could uh, check I'm that sure out. I'm sure I've seen. Oh wait. Okay, Alan has a hand raised, so I'm going to. James as well. <laughs> Hi. 
Sorry for all the background noise, it's this microphone. Uh, yes, you can still get jumbo Perkins brailers. Um, they're quite expensive, um, but they are available. And um, Alan, while you're unmuted, um, you also se uh, sell Perkins brailers. Do you happen to, by any chance, have a stock of second-hand uh, tape adapters that you could sell to people? I do not have tape adapters, no. I only okay. have the one personal one. So. Well, that's uh, that's a shame, but good to at least have that question yeah, answered before you asking. get lots of inquiries for it. <laughs> no problem. I don't know if we have any other questions. No questions. We'll leave it... Um, a minute or two longer although we're at time um we are at time some more waffle while we wait for final hands to come up is that if you're slating directly onto greetings cards um i talked about my four line um slate earlier on um uh, i was reliably informed by someone who shall remain nameless that uh, a four line slate is very good for slating christmas cards because it means that you can feel whereabouts on the card you are because the card is probably not going to be 30 cells across or or whatever um so you can feel the card underneath so you can feel um how how long you know how far across the card you are i think you should name that person who gave you that advice oh well <laughs> yes it was uh, it was holly who gave me that advice <laughs> good advice Good advice. There's always ambiguity, isn't there, when you're brailing on a card? Like, how much space have I got left? There is. Yeah. Well, I've got no more waffle. And, no, I think, um, I think we're and done, I think we're guys. at time. That's brilliant. Thank you so much, Matthew. Really appreciate that. Um, and you are obviously somebody who is using labelling in anger, as it were, you know, uh, on, a, on a regular uh, basis. Uh, so that's, um, you know, great to hear it from the... Uh, I was going to say, from the horse pool's mouth. I was going to say, yes, what a pun. <laughs> you always got to end it on a positive. Wait, waiting for an hour to do that. So thank you very much, everybody. Really appreciate uh, all the great questions. Uh, and if anybody has anything else or thoughts, it's always the way, isn't it? Ten minutes after, oh, I should have asked him this. Uh, then uh, you can find Matthew by sending an email to help at braylists.org. Help at braylists.org is how you get in touch with us here uh, if you missed any part of the session or if you wanted to listen again, we will be making uh, this audio available uh, on demand from the Braillist.org uh, website, Braillist.org slash media, where you can also find our previous sessions uh, covering music, slating, um, languages and the Orbit Reader. And next week, James Bowden is going to be back in the room. Um, he's, uh, he's a regular on this slot, James Bowden. And James is going to be showing us why in 2020, soon to be 2021, we should even contemplate still using an abacus. So uh, all of that next week with James Bowden at the same time, 7.30pm UK. Don't forget Braille Book Club's on Thursday at 6 uh, the Stay Safe uh, Open Forum Friday from 6 and uh, everything else check out our newsletter which you can find from the bros.org website so thank you so much to Holly for moderating thank you Matthew uh, for presenting and all you guys for making it worthwhile until next time bye for now bye bye